Charleston, South Carolina, the epitome of Southern graces and once dubbed, quote, the most polite and hospitable city in America by Southern Magazine. It's a place of elegance and slow poetic speakers, the heart of the American South. But beyond the rainbow-colored row houses, the huge city market, and the horse and buggy tours, there's a secret few know about. Once upon a midnight dreary, the infamous Edgar Allan Poe had his heart broken by a beautiful southern belle, or so the story goes. But it wasn't she who broke off the romance, but her father. And she's still around to tell the tale. Well, sort of. Legend goes that Charleston's most seen ghost, the Lady in White, just may be Poe's Annabelle Lee. But before I tell you the truth, allow me first to tell you a story. One that came to me after visiting the graveyard where Anna's grave is said to be. I'm Vanessa K. Eccles, and this is Fabled. Mercy is a grace undeserved, a hand extended, not held out, a favor that need not be repaid. Mercy came to me that night and pulled me from my grave. Premature death is a sort of darkness that cannot be experienced in life. Its skeletal fingers wrap around your very soul, a grip that will not let go, a longing that can never be fulfilled. We weren't created for death. We don't belong here. Our souls were never made for this kind of darkness. It's been many, many years that I've lived here in the confines of both my grave and the iron gates of the cemetery. But I know what it's like to feel alive even in death thanks to a single night more than a century ago. Lying, sleeping, my mind blank and unmoved for I'm not sure how long. I feel a pain in my chest, a bump, a thumping. It felt familiar but foreign at the same time. When was the last time my heart beat? A maiden there lived whom you may know by the name of Annabelle Lee. I heard his voice say. My eyes burst open, but darkness was all I could see. I panicked. I needed to get to him. He was here. He was here. I tried to push the door open, but the coffin was sealed. I kicked and pried, but to no avail. My beloved was waiting, and I needed him. I've needed him for so long. I screamed in anger, knowing my window of opportunity wouldn't last forever. Enraged, I tightened every fragment of myself and focused on pushing myself toward him. Nothing. It was hopeless. I'd miss him again. I would miss him forever. Anna, his soft voice called to me. It's me, Edgar. I'm so very sorry. His voice choked and a sob escaped him. My heart thumped again and this time it kept beating. I clasped my eyes closed, feeling a tear escape. When I opened them, I was standing behind him. He rested against a tree and slouched forward. I began to cry. We had so many dreams and plans for the future. He was to be mine, and I was to be his until death. But death came too soon. Oh, Edgar, 
I whispered, unsure if my voice would reach his ears. Startled, he jumped a little and slowly turned to face me. As soon as his gaze fell on me, I moved closer to him. Instead of him cowering in fear like I expected, he ran to me, wrapped his arms around my waist like he'd done so many times when I was alive. The softness of his touch and his warmth made me crumble. I fell to my knees, pulling him with me. He held me there for several minutes before he finally spoke. I knew I'd see you again. I knew he couldn't keep me from you. Keep me from you? I asked, not knowing what he meant. Your father never wanted me to find your grave. Told me I'd never get to mourn you properly. But what he didn't know, he said, pulling back and staring into my eyes. His face looking tired and more weathered than the last time I'd seen him was that you'd find me. Always, my love. I rested my arms around his neck and ran my fingers through his dark locks like I'd done before. He hovered closer. I knew that look, that preemptive glance before he'd take me away to some fairy tale where only the two of us existed. His lips quivered this time, though, and he appeared to be afraid, which made me nervous, too. It's just me, I said softly, cupping his face thick with stubble, into my hands. A tear dropped from his lid and rounded his cheek. I'm so sorry, he said again. You have nothing to be sorry about. You made life worth living, I told him, kissing away the tears, the warmth of his living body radiating through me. Until then, I hadn't realized how cold I'd been. I should have never left you. I could have fought harder, left the army if it came to that, I just thought I'd have more time to make myself respectable enough. He stopped, glanced down, and shook his head. Worthy enough to marry you. Listen to me, I said, lifting his eyes to mine again. You were always worthy. You will always be my only love. For all my life, you are my memory. Our love is our legacy. It existed. It burned. It lived like no other. Both crying now, he pulled me to him, and instead of me resting my head on his shoulder, he rested his on mine. I'd never seen him so broken, so vulnerable. He'd always been the strong one, the confident one. Clouds swirled in the night sky, and I began to feel a pulling in my stomach. Like I was being forced to move. I fought it like my life depended on me staying there with him, because I knew it did. I didn't want to let him go, not again, not now, not ever. Will you marry me? He whispered. My heart skipped and the sensation of excitement and thrill rushed through me. I'd forgotten what it was like to feel something. Yes, I nodded and allowed my swollen heart to burst with emotion. I cried and laughed and squeezed his arm. I couldn't let go. No, I really, really couldn't. His mouth found mine and our lips met. Everything. The sweet memories of us, the way the sea felt on our skin when we first swam together. The way my body burned when he kissed me. The way he smiled, which was so rare, when I first told him I loved him. Everything, our entire story, flashed before me. His hand rested on my heart. And that's where I left it, all those years ago. My heart in his hands. I've never seen my love again.
but his words have found a way to make it back to me even after his own death. Night after night, a man brings people here and recites our story, and I feel my heart beat again. It's not for long, but it still happens. And even after all these many, many years, my beloved still finds me. And I'll never stop searching for him. Now here's what really happened. My husband and I walked the overgrown cemetery with our guide and a small group of people one dark night this past August. The air was thick with humidity and more than a little fear. You see, the Unitarian Church in Charleston is the second oldest church in the city, built in 1772. Old church equals old graves. And one other thing, because of their beliefs, Unitarians do not upkeep their cemetery grounds. So among the darkness, overgrown trees, creeping vines, and tall grass surrounding us, our guide whispered tales of the most popular ghost in Charleston. And to add even more of a creep factor to the scene, he said she was last seen only a few days ago. You have to understand, I'm no newbie to ghost tours. In fact, I've done so many, I've lost count. But this one was different. Our guide spoke with such confidence that we'd actually see something. I mean, it started to make me worry a little. I'm one of those people who love a good ghost story, but I never want to see anything. I'm in it for the thrill, not the reality. So from the moment we stepped foot into the cemetery, I was ready to bolt. But we couldn't, you see. We were fenced in, a tall gate separating us from the city, the dark keeping us huddled together closely, trusting our guide to help us maneuver around the resting souls beneath us. The church only allows one ghost tour into its cemetery at night. And that night, it was us. My heart thump-thumped in my ears, and I had a hard time concentrating. The guide went on to tell us of three possibilities of who the ghost may be. But it wasn't until he began telling us the story of a young soldier who fell in love with a woman named Anna Revenal that things really started to shift. The two fell madly in love and saw each other every chance they got. But Anna's father didn't think the soldier was good enough for his well-bred daughter. No, he wouldn't have any part of it. In fact, he forbade it. But the two continued seeing each other in secret at the cemetery. And when her father found out, he arranged for the soldier to be transferred out of Fort Moultrie to a fort near Baltimore. While the soldier was away, Anna became depressed and then fell ill. He came back to be with her when he found out about her illness, but she had already died. Her father, blaming the soldier for his daughter's death, refused to allow the soldier to mourn at her grave. He even went as far as to having six graves dug and never even putting up a headstone so the young man wouldn't know which one contained his beloved. The soldier, who had enlisted under an assumed name, was never really suited for the army and eventually became known for his real talents. And he wrote under his real name. Edgar Allan Poe. Then our guide did something that surprised me. He began reciting the Annabelle Lee poem, and all of us froze. It was many and many a year ago, in a kingdom by the sea, 
that a maiden there lived with whom you may know, by the name of Annabelle Lee. And this maiden she lived with no other thought than to love and be loved by me. I was a child, and she was a child, in this kingdom by the sea. But we loved with a love that was more than love, I and my Annabelle Lee, with a love that the winged seraphs of heaven coveted her and me. And this was the reason that long ago in this kingdom by the sea, a wind blew out of a cloud chilling my beautiful Annabelle Lee, so that her high-born kinsmen came and bore her away from me to shut her up in a sepulcher in this kingdom by the sea. The angels not half so happy in heaven went envying her and me. Yes, that was the reason, as all men know in this kingdom by the sea, that the wind came out of a cloud by night, chilling and killing my Annabelle Lee. But our love, it was stronger by far than the love of those who were older than we, of those far wiser than we. And neither the angels in heaven above nor the demons down under the sea can ever dissever my soul from the soul of the beautiful Annabelle Lee. For the moon never beams without bringing me dreams of the beautiful Annabelle Lee. And the stars never rise, but I feel the bright eyes of the beautiful Annabelle Lee. And so all the night tide I lie down by the side of my darling, my darling, my life, and my bride in the sepulchre there by the sea, in her tomb by the sounding sea. As he spoke these words, we saw movement in the pitch black cemetery. A white, foggy image emerged. At first, I thought I was seeing things, wondering if my imagination was playing tricks on me. But then I saw the people next to me pointing and whispering, clinging closer to each other. And my husband leaned in and asked, Do you see that? Goosebumps, y'all. I'm not even kidding. My breath caught as the figure swayed to the rhythm of our God quoting the poem from memory. I couldn't believe my eyes, and even as I'm saying it right now, I still wonder if it's real. Like, how could it be? It was such a strange occurrence that my mind has mentally cataloged it as can't be true. Afterward, our God escorted us out of the cemetery, but many of us stopped to photograph where we believed we saw her, the lady in white remembering her lost love. I have an iPhone, and it took a live photo. And for those of you who don't know what that is, it's a photo that records movement while you're taking the picture. The flash was on, so you can see the flash brightening in the photo and eventually snapping. There was no one in front of me or beside me. My husband was behind me, and the picture looks pretty usual. I mean, there's Spanish moss hanging in a tree, a gravestone darkness, but the live shot caught something else, a dark figure, the body black, but the head almost like phases out. It's really strange. I saw it on my phone as I took it and nearly ran out of the cemetery, not wanting to stay there another minute. I'll post the live photo on our social media so you can be the judge. I don't know what or who it is or even if it's an anomaly at all, But I will tell you this, the feeling of sadness and terror were definitely present that night in the cemetery. I've always had a strong sense of discernment and am an empath. I don't think I'll ever return to that place again. Not just because I feel like I saw something, but because my heart breaks at the thought that this story could be real. I mean, there really is sadness there. 
Most of us know Poe's life was riddled with turmoil and death. He survived the death of his mother, his foster mother, and his wife. The common theme of the death of women in his works likely points to these losses. Annabelle Lee was the last poem written by Poe and was published after his death in 1849. Critics have often pondered who Annabelle Lee was, the most believed candidate being his wife who died two years prior. But the poem says that she was a maiden, and therefore unmarried. Some believe he was speaking of a childhood sweetheart named Sarah. But then there's our Annabelle Lee story. We know historically that Poe was stationed in Charleston in 1827. But perhaps the story served as Poe's longing for love and how it felt so lost for him, losing all the women he ever cared for. He once stated, quote, The death, then, of a beautiful woman is unquestionably the most poetical topic in the world. Maybe this is the romantic coming out in me, but what if he'd been carrying that secret love in his heart all those years, and sensing his own near death, decided it was a tale that needed to be told? If Anna of Charleston was really who the poem was about, I can't help but wonder what other strange and sad events Poe must have lived through. Was he not only a man of deep thought, macabre works, but also a man of secrets and brokenness? If you ever have the pleasure of visiting Charleston, I hope you'll take a little ghost tour in the Unitarian Cemetery. Whoever Annabelle Lee is, she's not lost in some unknown grave anymore. Poe made certain she'd live on their love forever immortalized by his words. Fabled was produced by me, Vanessa K. Eccles. If you enjoyed this podcast, you may enjoy my books as well. For more information, please visit fabledcollective.com. Be sure to check out the live photo I spoke about earlier on our social media at Fabled Collective. Thank you for listening.